It's Monday, February 12th, and we have James Beard nominated chef for Chand Chamel. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Welcome to Eat It Virginia, your number one podcast source for food news and interviews with the people who make Virginia restaurants great. Follow us on social media at Eat It Virginia and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. My name is Scott Wise and as always, I am joined by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Roby, changes, changes, changes. They are a split. It's kind of like we have like a new podcast smell. Like, you know, when you buy a new car... Here we are. That's not what that smell is. That's not what that smell is. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a few changes happening. So, we're going to maneuver things around a little bit over here at Eat It Virginia. So, if you really enjoyed Scott and I back and forth on the restaurant scene, you're going to move to Eat It Virginia on Instagram or at Eat It Virginia on Twitter because we're going to take that over to the social. And this podcast is going to be all interviews all the time. Starting with Bertrand Jamel of 2941, one of the three James Beard nominated chefs this year. He has been with 2941 for 20 years. And before that, France with Daniel Balloon. I mean, he just has a history of awesome, awesome food background, and I'm excited that he joined. Well, great. So I'm obviously not French, so I'm completely going to just murder your name and the introduction. So I apologize in advance um, because I'm just terrible with anything that's not an American accent. So just cringe outwardly and inwardly. I'm excited. Scott, we have one of the three nominees for the James Beard Award this year with us today from 2941. Bertrand Chamel, how'd I do? Uh, you did well. You did well. <laughs> What's the actual pronunciation, sir? Uh, Bertrand Chamel. He says it much better than you do, Roby. I don't even do close to well. Très bien, très bien. Merci. <laughs> well, Austin, welcome. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. I actually want to learn all about you. I know a little bit about your cuisine. I know a little bit about the restaurant 2941 in Falls Church, but I don't know anything about how you, how did you get to Virginia? So, well, you know, it started when I was uh, actually 14. Uh, I was on school break and I wanted to, uh, to make some money uh, during uh, the holidays. So my grandmother used to live in front of a bakery. So I went as the baker if I could get a summer job. And they give me a summer job. Uh, after one summer there, I really fall in love with the industry. So I went back the following year. I was 15 and I was like, that's it. So I told my parents, uh, I'm dropping out of school and I want to be a baker. So instead of dropping out of school, uh, I went to culinary school. Uh, I'm from uh, a small town. It's called Molusson. Uh, it's part of uh, the region of Auvergne. So really central France. Back in the day, working in, uh, doing a internship was three weeks in a restaurant and one week at school. So I did this to get uh, my culinary degree 
and then went for a uh, the master or the college degree for more uh, two more years after that, and then uh, we had to do unfortunately the military service at the time. So I was scheduled to go in Normandy uh, in the Air Force for a year. And after a year, I came back and we have this newspaper in France, uh, used to call the L'Hotellerie for like uh, hostelry. And <clears throat> you, you literally can look for any job and it, it, it's divided by almost like by state, by cities. And I never really traveled. So I took. I took the newspaper. I wanted to choose a state that it's as far as possible from home because I wanted to see as much as I could. So I found an ad that uh, I kind of liked. So I called and it was in uh, Mergev. Mergev, it's uh, in the Alps. It's about 15 kilometers from Geneva. And so I took my car, went there, and... Um, Really fall in love with this uh, Michel Godard. Uh, he used to have a two-star Michelin in Brittany. He moved to uh, the Alps, opened his own uh, restaurant. And we were only three in the kitchen. So it was really on and on with the chef, very working very close with that chef. And uh, <clears throat> he didn't give me a break. It's every time that we had some some break, it was like it was pointing in the back of the kitchen. Okay, if you have nothing to do, go in the back, pick a book. The idea was to introduce me to different cuisine, and it was okay. Is anything that you like about it? Is anything that you want to try? So we make it very interesting and very like discovering new cuisine. So that was the the topic of of the week. It was to pick a book, find something that I would like to practice on. And so it was really uh, hands-on. Um, about three, four years later, one night, um, he told me that uh, it's going to be my last day. And he came with a big surprise because I really like it there. And I was a little bit shocked. And he said, well, it's time for you to move on. So I found you a job. You start tomorrow. And, and that was it. I was like, what do you mean? So Did you have a choice in the matter? Or he just kind of... Well, I was in that direction. But it was kind of a... Uh, at first, it was a shock. At, at second, it was kind of like a reward. It was like, you know... We worked very well together for four years, but now it's time for you to learn something else to, uh, to grow in the industry. I didn't know how much I'm getting paid, what was my position. The only thing I knew was he sent me... Uh, so imagine, I'm in the Alps, very close to uh, Geneva, and I have to drive after the service at midnight to start my job the next day in south of France, in grass. So I drove overnight, get there. Of course, I was late. And, and I told the chef that I finished my shift at midnight and I'm sorry, I'm late. So he said, it's fine. Uh, you, go, you start tomorrow. And there was uh, Jacques Chibois, La Bastille Saint-Antoine. 
He was a two-star uh, Mediterranean, really French cuisine, uh, the accents of a lot of Provencal ingredients, uh, everything local. And um, over there, I met people in that kitchen who were maybe 20 or 30 different nationalities. We met people from Brazil, from Japan, from America, from Canada, from, I mean, from everywhere. And that's where I realized that I actually never traveled. So I called my chef, my old chef, that gently kicked me out. And I told him I wanted to travel. So two years after staying with Jacques Chihuahua, uh, he, he said, okay, where do you want to go? And he kind of gave me like multiple destinations. My choice was Joël Robuchon in Tokyo, um, stay in a two or three star Michelin in France, uh, going to New York uh, City for Daniel Boulou. And of course, uh, I chose Daniel Boulou in New York City. Uh, I wanted to really experience a big city. Uh, so I came in 1999 uh, at Daniel. And... Um, it's how, many, kind of, uh, how many years have you been in the business at this point? 1999, you've been in the business for six years, seven years? So I started, I finished, so I started school in 91. Okay. So it's about almost 10 years. Yeah. And so and I started. opened in 1993. So you got there six years after it had opened, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And Daniel, at that point, used to be uh, where Café Boulou was. And then he moved, I think, in 99 or 98 to 65th Street. So when I came, I came to the new place. Uh, okay. And then for me, it was, it was a, a culture shock because we came here, didn't speak English. So we had to learn English on the spot. Uh, You're doing much better with English than Ruby is with French, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> or even with my English. He's doing better with English than I do with English. Well, let's be 20 years and still have my strong French accent. I love it. I love it. Uh, Before we go any further in New York, I want to kind of like separate this with the Europe and in the America. So, Roby, do you have any questions about the experience uh, he had in, in Europe? I think, and I mean, what I really want to talk about is you really touched on how um, most French cuisine, or at least from what I know, obviously I'm not French, is really based on the land, right? Like it's yeah. from where you were from. Um, it, that is pervasive all through France, right? Even central France, where you're originally from, all the way to where you went in southern France. Yep. Correct? When you, I know you want to stay in France, Scotland. When you got to Danielle, did you see any shift there, or did they stay pretty similar to that mindset in New York City? No, it was a it, it was a big shift because when you come to New York City, it's not necessarily you don't have necessarily the terroir. You don't have the local farmer coming to you and. But you have product from Hawaii, you have product from all over the place, and suddenly you start seeing things that you never saw. So it was amazing. It was a it, it was a culture, uh, you know, excitement 
uh, to discover this. Did you find you were missing something though? Like, did you get there and after a couple of years you were like, oh, I wish we had this particular apple for like a tart pen or like well, things similar? The, you know, it, it's got more ingredients that you're never going to be able to find here. You know, you have you need to adapt yourself here with what you have here. You know, when people travel to Italy and they they talk about the, the mozzarella and the tomato, you can compare even if you you can compare that the mozzarella that has been made this morning and served to you for lunch, it's gonna taste the same that the one that has been shipped and traveled three five days. So uh, the ingredients, of course, you, you know, you get attached with these, uh, the quality of the strawberries, the tomatoes. Uh, it's a couple of ingredients that you're never going to find here. I want to, I want to click back to the first day in the bakery, uh, when you were 14. <laughs> what was it about that experience? What was the moment that you said, this is what my life is going to be? I'm not, I'm not really sure. It's, um, I think. I think was also like, I had two grandmothers, they both loved cooking. One was more the bakery, doing cakes. The other one was all the savory and doing all the, the feasts for the holidays. So as a very young age, we were always in the kitchen cooking with the grandma. And I think that's where I start to really love food. Uh, I never really had a click until I went to this bakery. For me, it was like a magic, like you take flour, water, and yeast, and suddenly you have an awesome baguette, and you have something that, you know, it's memorable. So it's, I don't know, it's really hard to describe. It's, a lot of people always ask me, what would you do if you're not a chef? I, I really don't know, because it's something that, I really fell in love with, and I don't see myself doing anything else. Sounds like a good life to me. I, I, I wish if I took flour, water, and yeast, I'd have an awesome baguette. <laughs> that does not work for me. I'm glad that it works for you. But, you know, all these came, you know, with a lot of work. Uh, when I was back in the Alps with uh, Michel Godard, we had, it was a seasonal. So we worked from October all the way to end of May, seven days a week, no days off. So it is, you know, it takes, it takes time to adjust to this life. But after almost nine months working straight from 7.30 in the morning to about three o'clock in the afternoon, take a break, come back at 7 p.m. all the way to midnight. That was kind of my schedule for three, four years there. One thing that I'm always going to remember, it, it was my first day off. After nine months, my boss asked me, what, would you, uh, what do you do tomorrow? And me, I'm thinking, well, I'm gonna, I'm, I might be sleeping for the next three days. So I'm like, I'm not sure. He said, okay, well, Dressed up and meet me at nine o'clock in the restaurant. And I was like, oh my God, whoa, it's my first day off. Like, I didn't even have time to plan what I'm going to do. So, anyway, 
dressed up, meet him at the restaurant, no idea what's going on. And then uh, my chef and his wife, so we drove and he was not telling me where we're going. So we just keep the conversation. And then three hours later, uh, we get in front of uh, the restaurant Paul Bocuse and he say, well, now I want you to experience the other side of the kitchen. And as a thank you, I would like to invite you uh, for lunch. So we went to Paul Bocuse and the week after was Georges Blanc, uh, Tristar Michelin. The week after was La Pyramide Adienne. So what he did is he really gave me this gift to you work out for me and now I'm going to reward you. And you don't have to go and train to those places or it's maybe 50 cooks, 100 cooks. Uh, the only thing you're going to do for the next six months is maybe peel carrot, peel vegetable. So... For three, four years, he got me to for lunches. He took me to IT in Geneva, in Nogailton. Uh, I went to Hotel du Rhône in Geneva. And over there, I had a very strong connection because this restaurant, uh, I believe, was part of the Mandarin Oriental. And they used to have a three-month program that they invite a chef from all over the world. So I stayed three months to work with uh, Hotel La Mamounia in Morocco. Then the year after was Oriental Bangkok. Uh, so for me, I was learning Thai cuisine. We had Italian chef coming. So for three months, they take over 80% of the menu and you only cook... Uh, their, their dishes. So for me, I, I was traveling without necessarily traveling. Um, but I was uh, introduced to ingredients, I mean, all over the world. Uh, uh, we had uh, one week with the Taj Mahal. Uh, I mean, so for me, it was the amount of s spices and I mean, it was a culture shock. It was, it was so exciting. And that's what made me want to travel and to, to learn more uh, to be a chef. Is there a through line that you discovered between the different cuisines? I mean, obviously you're, claim you're trained French, but when you learn how the other folks prepare food, was there a commonality that you uh, noticed? Yeah, I, I would say that in my cuisine, I, you know, I don't like to say it was like our cuisine is true French. Uh, you're not going to come here and to eat uh, escargot with butter, garlic, and a baguette. No, we, we like to, to mix cuisine. I like to take an ingredient, make it to a French technique, but it might come with a Thai curry sauce. It might come with a... Uh, Matsutaki Shoyu from Japan. Uh, so I like to work with product uh, all over the world. Uh, I think it makes uh, a different identity to our cuisine, but to still be the ambassador of the French cuisine, we do everything, a lot of sauce as French technique, but we might 
we might introduce ginger or lemongrass. So I take the my French base and everything that ingredient that I learn and travel around the world. I mean, if you look, uh, Pierre Gagné, uh, when I eat at this restaurant back in maybe 1992 in Saint-Étienne, he had three-star Michelin. Uh, we had, it was the most simple dessert, but the most wonderful dessert. And it was kind of like a roasted pineapple with a whipped cream. But the, the essence of that was the highlight of the vanilla. And they come, they open the vanilla, they make you smell the vanilla before you eat the dessert. It's, it, you feel like you're traveling. So, yeah, the ingredient, it's, it's very important. I like to, I wish I could travel even more. Me too. Well, you're busy right now. Um, I, I'm going to fast forward to where you currently are, which is in Falls Church. And just this past week, or maybe the week prior, um, they announced the semifinalists for the James Beard Awards. And, well, we're, you're one of them. How has that affected the restaurant, um, other than celebratory awesomeness? Um. Well, you know, we're very, uh, we're very grateful. We're very thrilled about it. It was a, uh, you know, our restaurant is 21 years old. So we're not, we're not new in the area, but we're not also, you know, it's so many restaurants popping every year that, uh, we're very grateful that, uh, you know, we're still doing great business. Uh, we have a beautiful, uh, landscaping. We're very unique. And we're trying to keep, you know, um, our culinary up to date. We really pushed uh, myself, my team to always be creative, to always bring something exciting for our guests. And I think uh, that's the key of success. So how many people are on your team in the kitchen? So we're about 20 Okay, 20 people. And how many seats are in the restaurant total? So we have about uh, 130 seats in the restaurant. And we have a, have a banquet team. We have three banquet rooms. One is nine, about 80, 90. One is about 50. One about 20. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. And to produce cuisine that's garnering some accolades from James Beard with that amount is really impressive. Speaking of ingredients in Virginia, were way different than France. Is there something you found after being here a while that you just love? Because we, plus, you know, I'm a native Virginia and obviously weren't to give all of our bounty that, I don't know, all the accolades I can. Well, one that I cannot wait, it's always the spring ramps. Uh, you know, we have something that is different in France and you don't get that same like garlicky and like oniony flavor from the ramps. So from Virginia, the ramps, um, I worked a lot uh, in the past with farmers, uh, our local beef. Uh, I do, I do a lot of local cheeses, uh, not necessarily Virginia, uh, but Maryland, um, I go to the farmer's market, uh, most of our vegetable, 
from spring to summer, uh, we use uh, Medina Farm and uh, we go to the one in McLean uh, every week and then the one in Springfield. So twice a week from spring to late summer. So, yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily say always like I'm local, just Virginia. You know, we have uh, mushroom pickers in Oregon that have been working with them for 16 years. So anytime that is get the, the first Matsutaki mushroom or the first morels, uh, you know, yesterday we were chatting about when we're going to get the first morels. Um, Oregon is very unpredictable because of their mountains. Sometimes they can be here. It could be spring, but over there they still have two feet of snow. So they also at the border of California. So sometimes they get damaged with all those wildfire. Uh, so the season of mushroom can be one year is good, one year is bad. But uh, that's for me local. It's national product. So I understand. I understand how you keep things uh, fresh season to season, but year to year, doing this for as long as you have. How do you keep your kitchen innovative and, and new for people that visit you multiple times? Uh, uh, <clears throat> so, well, we change our tasting menu every month. So I'm forcing everyone to be creative because, you know, it's not like you change your menu once a year or twice a year. Uh, so you have to be, you have to be creative. You have to do, we have to evaluate on our techniques. Um, so research, of course, traveling always help. Uh, my chef de cuisine, she started with me about nine years ago and, uh, she's originally from Ethiopia. So she traveled in France. Uh, she speaks multiple languages. She's well traveled. So we're really connected with, uh, ingredient toward the world so we always like you know we have uh hispanic influence in our kitchen so we will always try to to introduce you know uh hahipanka or like some some mexican chilies or so every time somebody do like a family meal and be like oh what is this what is this flavor oh i like i like this chili or i like this so ideas come from that. It's, uh, oh, I'm going to take that chili. I really like it. Let, let me try to introduce to a ceviche or to something else. I like the idea of having kind of a mishmash in the kitchen. So you can say, oh, I, you know, I grew up with this flavor. Perhaps maybe it's not something that you've ever experienced in your own home. If you're eating by yourself in your own house, what are you cooking for yourself? Like, what is your go-to meal? It's usually my wife cooking at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Take a break. <laughs> no, but uh, we do, um, we do, I do, uh, we like to eat, you know, I introduce my kids to try to be, um, to try everything before saying I don't like it. So at a very young age, I introduce them to fish, to lamb, to so 
when the kids were young, they're like, oh, I like the steak. And it was lamb. And not everybody might like lamb for the flavor. So at first, I introduced them to, oh, it's a steak. Oh, it's a fish. You trick. And then the next, time, <laughs> the next time the steak might be, might be a veal or, oh, it's different. And then as they grow up, they're like, oh, but this is not steak. It's veal or it's lamb or it's this. And I say, well, do you like it? Yeah, I actually like it. So you, you help them to develop their palate before they can be, oh, actually, I don't like spinach. Well, when I was a kid, I did not like spinach. I used to hate spinach until I realized that my mom used to cook spinach from a can. When I came to a two-star Michelin restaurant and you have these fresh spinach leaves and it's very quickly sauteed in olive oil and you taste it and you're like, wow, that's so delicious and tender. And it doesn't have like this dark brown black color and taste so different. So I teach them to, uh, to, to discover more food. So, and our babysitter used to be Hispanic. So they eat a lot of Hispanic food. They, we live very close to H Mart. Uh, so they, they, they love Korean food. Um, so I like to introduce them to everything. So you know, Roby, the secret to get your kids to eat their vegetables, to take them to a two-star Michelin restaurant. That's I'm in. I am in. I think it's to, to introduce them to fresh ingredients. And, you know, do you like to eat an asparagus that stays in a jar for a year in a liquid? Uh, it might not be as, uh, as, as appealing as a fresh asparagus that you're going to quick saute with olive oil and be a little bit crunchy and have actually a flavor. So, yeah, the key, I think, is to introduce the kids to uh, not processed food, but to actually fresh ingredients. Take them to the farmer's market. How old are your children, Jeff? Uh, now they are 15 and 17. So around the same age where it clicked for you that you wanted to be in the kitchen the rest of your life, are your children interested in a, a life in the restaurant business? So... One is uh, kind of, but I'm trying to uh, direct her to something else. Law school, business school, med school. So, gotcha. You know, they always think that watching a TV show or a cooking show or Top Chef, it's a lot of fun. But they also realize the amount of work that you're not home. So... You know, it's uh, unless it, if it, unless it become a passion to them, then I will embrace it. But if it's a dream, then I want to wake them up now. That's <laughs> but the reason <laughs> you that I really want to do that. I will send her to a bakery or to a restaurant to work for like a month, and then after a month, sit down and be: Is it really what you want to do? And then we'll see the response. That's a good, that's a great way to do it. Give them a little tryout. See if they enjoy the incredibly hard work that goes on in a kitchen. I have a question about your leadership style in the kitchen. Have you sent anybody on their way unexpectedly after a few years, as was as what happened to you when you were a younger chef? Yeah. So uh, 
that's something that I really, uh, I really appreciate from, uh, from my mentor. And it was to, uh, to be able to stage somewhere else. So I did send cooks uh, to Daniel uh, after they worked for me for two, three years. And I sent them to Daniel. Now, uh, after they stayed three, four years at Daniel, uh, they are finding their own ways. So for me, it's rewarding. I like to uh, the people who are interested to to travel uh, to give them that opportunity that uh, I will al- always open door for them. Most citizens, I, I don't think maybe now people realize, but that's the way I grow up. That I found a chef that was really hard. He, he was expecting a lot, but he was giving a lot. And I learned a lot from that. And I learned manners, respect. Uh, I learned how to grow in my industry. And I always cheers that. So anyone who wants to come to me and say, oh, I saw your resume and you traveled a lot. And it, for me, it's simple. Stay with me two, three years. I also want to make sure that if I'm sending you to Daniel Bull in New York or somewhere else, I want to make sure that you qualify and you have the right mentality, you have the right respect of the job, and the door will open. I'm sold. I want to be with you for two or three years. <laughs> now, so uh, I'm going to work in the kitchen. Yeah. No, I know. You know, we work a lot. We, you know, you you 12 hours or more in the kitchen. And for me, it's always like this. It's you part of the team or you out. Because we work a lot. And it has to be, uh, we're all close to each other. You know, we all feel the pain when somebody's sick. We all help each other. Uh, you know, during COVID, um, I helped make cooks. Uh, we did the charity event, and the reward was everybody leave home with one week worth of food to feed their family. Um, so for me, it's it's my family. We you know we fight six days together, twelve hours a day. I mean, I know I know them as much and as as I know my wife and kids. So we grow up as a uh, as a big family. Well, twenty years in business or twenty one years in business show that you really do have a good family mentality going on at Cooking on Corning One. Thank you for spending some time with us today and talking about your trajectory from Central France to Virginia. I'm excited for you guys. Um, I watched the James Beard pretty avidly, so I'm hoping that you continue down the path. Maybe we'll be talking to you again at the opportunity. That would be an honor to be in Chicago, that's for sure. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. It's, uh, I always say it's, uh, our goal is to please the guests, and that's what makes them return, and that's why we've been successful for 20 years, and we're never going to stop. We always have to reinvent ourselves. We always have to try to progress. Um, and um, I think that's the key of success. And, you know, 
It's a palette of awesome restaurants, awesome chefs. I think everybody deserves the reward. Uh, so, you know, I'm grateful that we were nominated. You're listening to Eat It Virginia with Roby, Scott, and Bertrand of 2941 in West Church, Virginia. This episode of Eat It Virginia... <laughs> Eat It Virginia? <laughs> this episode of Eat It Virginia... <laughs> No! Oh, God, no.